0: In the previous Mishnah we had a mach with regards to somebody who plants a vine above somebody else's grain. According to the Tanakhama the first opinion, it becomes forbidden as regular kilaim. However, according to Blaisian Shimon, Kilaim only becomes forbidden if it was planted totally in one's own property. But if it involves somebody else's produce, then it would not become forbidden because the Torah says that you cannot plant your own vineyard with Kelaim. Now in this Mishnah Obiesi supports his opinion by citing a story. Omar um, Obiyosi said, once happened but echoes with a particular individual who planted his vineyards with another species during the year of shmita. The shmita year occurs once every seven years, and during that year all the produce which is grown in the fields is considered Hefka. It's ownerless. So during that year, somebody planted claym in his vineyard. And the story came in front of Rabbi Akiva, the Omar, and Rabbi Akiva said, One cannot make something which doesn't belong to him forbidden and benefit. And therefore, even though this person did something very wrong, on two accounts, number one, he planted kilayim, and number two, he worked his field during shmita, which is not allowed. Nevertheless, it does not become forbidden to benefit from that, because it did not belong to him. But it's not considered Karmachah your vineyard, because during the shmita year, it wasn't considered his vineyard. It's ownerless. So Rebbe wants to prove from this story that in a case where it does belong to somebody, but somebody else, it's the same thing, and therefore it cannot become forbidden as a result of kilayim. Mishnavov, we're now going to see this halacha of Ein kadish, that one cannot make something which does not belong to him, forbidden to benefit from. We're going to see that play out in another law. Shazor a non-Jewish thief who took somebody's vineyard by force and then planted another species in that vineyard. And then later on, Vyotsman Afonov, it left his hands, it went out from him, and it was returned eventually to the original Jewish owner. Now because it was the thief who planted the kilayim, it has not become forbidden to benefit from the kilayim. However, now that it belongs to the Jew, we know that not only is it forbidden to plant kilayim, but it's also forbidden to keep and maintain kilayim. So now that it belongs to the Jew, if he doesn't remove the new species which was introduced to the field whilst the thief had taken it, then as soon as it has grown another two hundredth of its height, as we have seen before that's the amount, then it will become forbidden. So the mission says that he has to cut it down immediately get rid of the other species which was planted in the vineyard, afilubah moyed even on Cholamoed, on the days of Pesach and Sukkos, and on Cholamoid, it's forbidden to harvest the field and do any hard work, except for a few exceptions. And one of the exceptions is this, because since people who look at the field will think that this person is planting Kila'im, there's maris ho'ayin, it appears that he's doing an Aveira. and people might think that it's permitted somehow, or they might just think that he's doing an Aveira, so to prevent that occurring, he should remove that species even on Cholamoed itself. And the Mishnah says that after how much money does he have to give to workers in order to get them to cut it down on Cholamoyed, at Shalish? up to a third more than the normal wage. So even if he has to pay another third, or actually up to a third more than the general wage for the workers, for them to do it on Cholamoyed, he still needs to pay that to them so that there is no ma'as or ayin of him doing an avira. But Yasser Makan, if he would need to pay them more than that, meaning if workers are not willing to accept the job, unless he pays them even more money, so he's not obligated to go that far, rather, he should harvest it in his general way, at his own pace, and continue doing as much as he can. Even if it means going until after Cholomeyid and after the Yom because it's the way that there still won't be any Ma'is iron. Because anyone who sees the Kelayin in his field, they'll see at the same time him working in his field to remove the Kelayin. So it will be clear that he is not keeping climb in his field. So in that case, it would be okay to harvest the field at a slower pace and finish it after the Yom Tov. Now the Mephoshim debate as to how to exactly interpret the next part of the Mishnah. We'll take the approach which most of the Mephoshim take, and that is, Me'emusaihu nikra anos. From when is the field considered belonging to the thief? The answer is, Mishayishka, which literally means from when it sinks, and this means that from the time that the field stops being associated with the original owner, and it's totally forgotten that he originally owned it, and people start calling it the thief's field, so at that point, the original owner really has no hope of getting the field back. Or at least he thinks so, so he totally gives up hope of ever getting the field back, which means that the field now transfers ownership to the thief, because the original owner has given up any ownership or hope of getting it back. Now if that's the case, then even if he does end up getting it back later on, there was a point where the thief owned the field. Which means that when the thief planted the other species in that field and kept it in the field, he owned the field. Which means that it did become forbidden to benefit from it. Because the person who owned it was the one who planted the kilaim and kept the kilaim. So even if it does go back to the original owner later on, it won't help to cut it down because the entire field will be forbidden to benefit from because the kilaim was planted by the person who owned it at that time. Wind which blew vines over grain. So we're referring to a case where the vine was planted in a permitted place and the grain was planted also in a permitted place. They were distanced by a naf. Either sixth fachim or more if it was a whole vineyard than four amos. But later on, the wind blew the vines such that now they are over the grain. So this is quite a serious situation. The vines are directly above where the grain is growing. And if the owner keeps it like this on purpose, then it's going to become forbidden. So as soon as he notices this, Yigdomiyod, you should cut the vines down immediately, meaning the vines which are above the grain, you should cut those so that they are no longer above the grain. And if he does not do that immediately, rather he keeps it there so he's showing that he's pleased with it being there and growing there, then it will become forbidden to benefit from it. However, in Oines, if something out of his control occurs to him, for example, let's say he sees it and he hires workers to cut down the vines, but the workers don't turn up. So there's a delay in cutting them down, but it's out of his control. So Mutter it's permitted, even if it has grown another 200, let's say, it is still permitted to benefit from the produce, because he has not shown that he's pleased with it, with it growing there. The next case is very similar, and that is to also show you notadagefin if his grain is leaning underneath the vine. So again, when they were originally planted, they were distance enough. But then as they grew more, the grain started to lean towards the vine, until it is now actually underneath the vine. Khen by Yorot, the same would apply to green plants, which lean towards the vine and end up being underneath the vine. Baalachah is slightly more lenient here, because whereas in the previous situation, the previous scenario of the Mishnah, the vine was growing directly above the entire grain plant including the roots, in this scenario, the roots of the grain are not underneath the vine, it's only the tip of the grain, and therefore Machzir, he just needs to bring it backwards and make sure that it is no longer underneath the vine, the enema kaddish, but it does not make it forbidden to benefit from, even if he does leave it there, which is forbidden of course, but if he does leave it there, it does not become forbidden to benefit from, because it's only the tip of the grain and not the roots which are underneath the vine. The second half of this Mishnah discusses the timing that Kilea Kerem becomes forbidden to benefit from. Now, the Torah says that when you plant Kilea Kerem, what happens, Tikdash, Tikdash means it will become forbidden to benefit from, and where it will become forbidden to benefit from, Hamaleah the thing which is full, Hazera, the seed, actually which you will plant, and the produce of the vineyard. So in this posuk, two things are mentioned. Number one, the seed, and number two, the produce of the vineyard. So both the vine and the other species which are planted in the vineyard become forbidden to benefit from. Now with regards to this other species, not the vine, but the other species, the Torah says that the thing which is full becomes forbidden, hamaleah, but it also says that the Hazera, the seed itself, becomes forbidden. Now the Malayo is referring to a later stage, when it's full, which means when it's properly started to grow, but Hazera is referring to the stage when it's only a seed, when it's first planted. And the Yoshami explains that indeed it depends. In a situation where two seeds are planted together and mixed together, so let's say the seed of a vine and a grain seed, if they are planted together, that means that as soon as they were planted, right at the beginning when there were still seeds, already then they became kilayim, and therefore it's at that stage that they become forbidden to benefit from. On the other hand, if the grain seed was planted in a place where it's allowed to be planted, and the vine seed was planted in a separate place where it's allowed to be planted, and then after they grow a little bit, then let's say they move the grain seed to the vine seed, and then they mix them. So in this scenario, at a stage where they were just seeds and nothing more, right at the beginning of their growth, they were not kelayim. They were planted in a permitted manner it's only later, once they had started to grow, that they became calymed, so in that scenario, it does not become forbidden as soon as they're planted together, rather only once they reach a significant stage of the growth, which with grain is a third of their final growth, so whatever they would grow finally at the end, a third of that is considered a very significant growth, so it's at that stage, that's when it's considered the malaya, when it's full, and it's at that stage they will become forbidden, which means that if you, let's say, uproot the grain seed, after planting it with the vine. If you uproot it before it's reached a third of its growth, then it wouldn't become forbidden. The case of our Mishnah is somewhere in between, and that is where a vine, let's say, is planted in a permitted manner by itself, and once the vine has started to grow, then he plants a grain seed next to it. And the grain seed has not been planted anywhere else before, so as soon as the grain seed is planted, it's planted as kilayim. Now certainly with regards to the vine in this case, when it was planted, it was planted in a permitted manner. So it's not going to be at the stage of hazera when it's a seed. That's not when it's going to become forbidden, because at that time it was permitted. So that is only going to become forbidden at the stage of maleah when it's full and reached a significant stage of its growth, and we'll define when exactly that is later on in the Mishnah. But with regards to the grain seed, there is, there is an argument in the Yerushalmi when this becomes forbidden. According to one opinion, since it's planted as kilayim, so it becomes forbidden immediately. But according to the other opinion, since it's being planted with something which only becomes forbidden later on, at the stage of Malaya, so the grain seed also becomes forbidden only at the later stage of Malaya, Which means that if you were to uproot it before the stage of Malaya, before it's reached a third of its growth, then it would not become forbidden to benefit from. Now the Mishnah tells us, From what stage does grain become forbidden to benefit from? So meaning in a normal case of Clea Kerem, where the vine was planted there in a permitted manner, and then later on you bring another species there. So at what stage does it become forbidden? The answer is... Mishetashrish. From when the green seed takes root in the ground, i.e. as soon as it's properly planted there, that's when it becomes forbidden. So this follows one of the opinions in the Yerushalmi. However, the other opinion actually had a different version. The Misha didn't say Mishetashrish, Rather, according to that version, it said mishetashlish, which means from when it reaches a third of its growth, so that would represent the other opinion. The Northern, but the grapes themselves, according to everybody, they only become forbidden mishia once they reach the size of a white bean, and this is the stage of "maleah," of when it's full, when it's reached a significant stage of its growth, for the vine. So at that point, that's when the grapes of the vine become forbidden to benefit from which means that if you uproot it before that stage, if you either uproot the vines or you uproot the grain, then it will not become forbidden, but it will not become forbidden to benefit from. And now the Mishnah ends off with another thing which is learnt from that posuk. The posuk calls the produce hamalea, the thing which is full, which refers to the stage of growth as it's growing, or once it's fully ripened. But grain which has dried out is no longer going to be referred to as Malaya. It's past that stage. Similarly, if a vine, if the grapes of a vine have dried out, it won't be referred to as Tvua sakerem, the produce of a vineyard, that word Tvua only refers to the grapes when they are ripe, and not once they have passed that stage and dried out, and therefore Tvua shayosha called tsarikar, grain which has dried out totally, va anovim shayosha and grapes which have ripened totally, so they have now passed the stage of growth and therefore in they would not become forbidden to benefit from if they were the seeds, if they were the produce which was part of the kilayim. They can no longer become kilayim once they've reached that stage. Mishnoches, otzitznokuv. A plant pot with a hole in it, at the bottom, and the hole needs to be large enough for a small root to go through. The halacha is that a plant pot with a hole in it has the same status as the ground itself. So anything which grows in that plant pot, we consider to have grown in the ground itself because since it has a hole in it, it can actually draw nutrients from the ground, even if it's not actually rooted in the ground itself. But because it has the same status as the ground with Kaddish Ba'kerem, it can become forbidden to benefit from if it was placed in a vineyard. So if, for example, somebody planted a grain seed in a plant pot with a hole in it, and he placed that plant pot right next to a vineyard, within four hours let's say. So we imagine as if he had planted it in the ground itself, and therefore it becomes forbidden to benefit from it, which ain't But if it's a plant pot which does not have a hole in it, then ain't it does not become forbidden to benefit from, however, it is still forbidden to do it with Rabbanon. Because it's very similar to a plant pot with a hole in it. However, Rabbi Shimon Omer Rabbi Shimon argues, as he does many places in Mishnais, wherein Otzitznakov comes up, and according to Rabbi Shimon, just because the plant pot has a hole in the bottom, does not mean that we consider it like the ground. And therefore, Zevo vozeh both this one and this one, meaning both a plant pot which does have a hole in it, and a plant pot which does not have a hole in it, Oysimbloomacacin, it's forbidden to plant it, as Kilaim, but if you do do it, then it does not become forbidden to benefit from, because it's only forbidden Mdjabonon, and it is not as severe as planting in the ground itself. And now we go back to the first opinion, who does consider a plant pot with a hole in it to be considered like the ground. And because of that, <laughs> one who passes a plant pot with a hole in it through a vineyard, so we're referring to a plant pot which has grain planted in it, and the grain has already reached a third of its growth. So if you pass, if you pass that through a vineyard, and during the time that you're passing it through, it grew by a two hundredth, then also, listen very carefully, it becomes forbidden, and this is referring to the grain. The vines do not become forbidden, because he never actually put down the plant pot. He just passed it through, and it went underneath the vines. But he never actually positioned it underneath the vines themselves, and kept it there. He just passed it through. So only the grain which he was holding would become forbidden, and only if it grows by 200th while he is passing it through. And again, this is because the plant pot itself, and that which is planted in it, gains nutrients from the ground which is underneath it. It gains nourishment from it, and therefore it becomes forbidden, but as we said, since it didn't actually stop at the vines, the vines would not become forbidden to benefit from. We've now reached the end of the seventh Perak, which was the fourth Perek, discussing kerem, the Kilaim of a vineyard, and the three Prokim before that were discussing Kle Zeroim, of other fields not involving a vineyard, or individual vines, and the next two prokim will discuss the other two types of kilaim, namely klime of animals and kilaim of clothes.